1: Our guest right now, Dan Hampton, a retired U.S. States, uh, United States Air Force Lieutenant Colonel. He served in the U.S. Air Force from 86 to 2006. He's been on 151 combat missions, according to the Internet, probably more. They call him two dogs, uh, Dan Hampton. You see him on CNN and MSNBC. He's a very decorated former member of our our military, and he's written a, a, a fantastic book. Thank you so much for your time this morning, Dan.
2: No, it's my pleasure, Gentry. Thanks.
1: So, Valor, the new book, uh, What a Story, uh, about a lieutenant, an American hero, Bill Harris. Uh, this guy swam through shark-infested waters. He was a, a prisoner of war. W- what a story. What drew you to the story of Bill Harris?
2: Well, I was, I was researching Vengeance, which is the book that came out prior to Valor, and I ran across Bill's dad. He was a Marine general fighting on Guadalcanal and it intrigued me you know father and son both fighting in the same war uh, i made a note of it and then promptly forgot about it <laughs> until i uh, until i you know was hunting around for another subject to write and researched uh, bill got a hold of his family uh and got uh, was was able to get a 1500 page unpublished manuscript that he had written after the war so in a large part, valor is is right out of Bill's mouth. It's just a fascinating story of, of like it says on the cover, defiance, but also, also hope, and that's something I think we can all use these days.
1: Very detailed story. I mean, from uh, the stories of him uh, arriving and everything from his wife traveling with him and, and going into such detail. These are all his words. We, we have uh, this is how how did you get all the information?
2: Well. um, you know, like I said, his daughter sent me the manuscript, and I was just every day I was writing this, I felt like I had gone back in time and I was walking along with him because you know I had the the benefit of his of his thoughts and his words, which for a writer is is just astonishing, and it was really a a compelling story and relatively easy to write because you know so much of it came from from bill um and and i just found myself getting more and more involved in it as time went on and i hope uh, i hope the readers feel that way too they seem to
1: yeah it's an amazing story as any of your books i know you've been busy since you uh retired from the air force uh, since 2012 you've been pu- putting out fantastic books here in new york times a uh, bestseller have any of these books been talked about uh becoming a movie or any of them already been oh, worked please, on as a movie
2: know somebody who can do that tell them and i'll buy you a case of champagne oh that sounds Uh, good
1: because this (laughs) this baller needs to be a a movie i mean an amazing story i I can't believe that some of these books you've written a viper pilot as well another great one from our guest here dan hampton Uh, we got to get you in touch with some of these movie execs
2: well i you know i'd I'd love to i think uh, i think they'd make great movies i also wrote a novel that um I think people would would really would really like. Uh, you know, that's not my world. I, I have to trust uh, the people that that do it. I have an agent in New York who who sent a copy of Valor, I think, to the Gary Sinise Foundation. So I'm hoping he, with his with his interest in all things veteran related, will will look at it, like the book. I sent it to him as a as a way of saying thanks. But you know, you never know what'll happen. So let's hope
1: so uh, talking about movies Dan there's a big one on the silver screen right now that's breaking records uh you actually went to United States Navy Fighter uh Weapons School which better known as the School of Top Gun have you seen this new movie with Tom Cruise it's uh getting all all these great reviews
2: Yeah I went through the Air Force school too uh so I, I know the I know the environment quite well uh you know I, it's 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 a it's a very entertaining show I'm not going to point out the the, the things that, that aren't quite accurate because, I you know, they really can't make the movie the way it really is in real life or nobody see anything. And I, I think they did a good job with, with what they had. And, and, you know, the best thing about these movies is maybe it makes people think a little bit uh, about something they didn't know or maybe consider looking into flying jets as a career or something along those lines.
1: So, Dan, you have this heroic story that you've told in, in Valor uh, about Lieutenant um, Bill Harris you also lived it yourself, fighting in, in the Gulf War. I know that you combated terrorism when it came to 9 nine eleven. You were a part of Operation Southern Watch. Now we currently have this war in, in Ukraine. I, I know we've advanced so many ways in, in so many ways as a society and our technology. How different does war look now these days uh, from the days, from uh, Bill Harris's days to, to what's going on now in Ukraine?
2: Actually, the war in the Ukraine is sort of a regression to even before Bill Harris it's more like world war 1 <laughs> in a lot of ways i mean big large numbers of troops in contact the heavy use of artillery all those things that you know the the us military typically tends to relegate to the back row you know whenever whenever we're involved in some smaller conflict and that's that's a real danger you know a lot of military folks who ought to know better You know say well we'll never need this again we'll never need that again i you know before my time there was actually a period where they where they took machine guns and cannons out of jet fighters they thought it would be missiles only so that's that's a dangerous assumption to make and i think the war in ukraine is making people realize that there's still a need for for some of this and and it could come back to to haunt us again Uh, and we need to be prepared for it as always
0: pulling up to mickey d's just
1: for drinks We're talking with Dan Two Dogs Hampton. Where did you get the uh, nickname Two Dogs? I like that.
2: Yeah, well, I can't explain it on the radio, uh, but uh, oh, okay. But, yeah, most <laughs> most call signs are not not explainable. Um, you know, you you get them for a variety of reasons, but all all fighter pilots have them. In fact, I've I've flown with guys for years where I didn't I didn't really know their their full name. I just knew them by their call signs. So it's it's just a tradition with us.
1: And why did you choose the uh, the Air Force over the other branches?
2: Well, my dad was a Marine fighter pilot, and he told me that if all I wanted to do was to fly fighters, uh, then to join the Air Force. Because as a Marine, you are an infantry officer first. Uh, and there was a time during the Vietnam War where they were actually going to pull—they were talking about pulling pilots out of cockpits because they were running out of officers on the ground— and that really, really didn't make my dad happy that he was more valued as a rifleman than he was as a carrier, you know, qualified combat pilot. I uh, loved the Marines, don't get me wrong, but uh, they, they just have a different uh, notion about about flying and the use of, of jets. In the Air Force, you know, uh, at least the Air Force I knew, uh, it was still all about airplanes. That's why it's called the Air Force. And being a fighter pilot was at the pinnacle of that.
1: Yeah, my 19-year-old son came to me about a month ago and said, Dad, I'm going into the Marines. I mean, he even had a date. He had been talking to a recruiter and really wasn't even talking to me about it. And then I instilled him. I said, you know, you need to do your due diligence. You should look at the other branches. You you should really think about it before you make this decision. So he did go meet with all the other branches. I met with uh, a few of the recruiters myself. And he looks like he's decided that he's going to be leaving and enlisting in the air force any advice to these uh, young recruits uh, that are going in right now if somebody maybe would have said this and given you this advice it maybe would have helped you
2: um i would say initially uh keep your mouth shut and your ears open uh you know if when when you're starting out you're usually at the very bottom and and it's a time to learn and absorb things and 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 learn and take advantage of everything the military can do i mean that's one of the great not a secret but that's one of the great advantages of the military you know kids that couldn't otherwise maybe uh, go to college can get into college you can learn a trade a skill that can set you down a career path for the rest of your life and even if you get out and choose to do something completely different the habits and the discipline that you learn will always serve you well
1: and one of the things that came up with the recruiter that really interested my my son was cyber warfare this is something Mm -hmm. that seems to be a part of our future back in the 80s when you got in was this intelligence that uh you felt like this could be the future of war where we're you know fighting over computers and drones i mean was this something that was even a thought in in your mind in the mid 80s
2: no i was a pretty basic tool when i uh <laughs> when i became a when i became a pilot i was focused on uh flying and not dying and and working my way up the pyramid so to speak and and we were still involved against the soviet union uh, when I got in. So uh, there wasn't really much concern over cyber warfare, at least none that I knew of or anything like that. We were concerned with, with truly fighting like what's going on right now.
1: I'm surprised that we're still at a day of hand to hand combat. Do you think that there will become a day when uh, there will be artificial intelligence and it will all be about drones and more people working computers rather than hand to hand combat?
2: Well, there's artificial intelligence everywhere. I mean, look at Congress, right?
1: Yeah, for
2: sure. um, I know what you mean. Uh, No, I don't think so. Um, As much as some folks would would love that kind of a world, uh, you're never going to replace the people. I mean, would you get on an airliner that didn't have a pilot in it?
1: I wouldn't but I have no. I have been in an Uber without a driver.
2: Yeah, okay. Well, three dimensions at much greater speeds is a little bit different, but uh, you know, the point is you're always going to have to have people around to, to control and manipulate the remote stuff that we do have. Otherwise, you end up in the uh, what the Terminator world. Uh and right now a computer still can't think uh, do as many calculations per second as the human mind, and and I've been in I've been on battlefields with drones. They serve useful purposes. Don't get me wrong, but they as yet cannot do what uh, a fighter pilot can do.
1: Our guest is the author of the new book Valor, the astonishing World War II saga of one man's defiance and indomitable spirit. Uh, it's a story about Lieutenant Bill Harris. Goes into uh, detail about uh, him becoming a prisoner of war. Him swimming away from shark-infested waters goes into great detail. And, and if you're lazy like me sometimes and you can't read the entire book, you just get the audible version that's available on uh, Amazon.com. You being a decorated hero of the United States Air Force, you're often discussing foreign affairs. I've seen you on with Tucker Carlson, Anderson Cooper. You, you get around, Dan. In uh, your opinion, who or what is the United States' biggest threat to our freedom and our democracy at this point?
2: I mean, externally or internally?
1: Extern Well, there, there's probably both. I'm sure, but w- what is the biggest threat? Is it internally or is it external?
2: I think it's internal at the moment. We are our own worst enemy, uh, and we do it to ourselves. You know that most people, most people who can think and look and see what's going on, yeah, they, they realize that. But one of the points that that I want people to get out of this book is that the spirit that kept Bill Harris alive. Uh, I don't think it's gone in this country. You know, if you look at the news media or you listen to the talking heads on T V, you know, they want you to feel that way. Uh but I don't I don't see that. I mean, I travel a good deal, I, I run across all sorts of people and I think by and large most Americans are good, decent folks and the spirit that Bill Harris displayed during the war is
1: I know cable news has gotten very popular and profitable, actually, off of war. It uh, really started it during the Gulf War when CNN was giving us, a, though, that uh, right, right on the ground floor type coverage. What responsibility do you think that the, the news networks have uh, to tell us the truth when it comes to war? Because at the end of the day, some of this stuff is top secret. We probably don't want to know the truth. Is that right, Dan?
2: right. I mean, you know, people always say the public has a right to know, and I always reply with, where does it say that? You know, it doesn't say that anywhere. That's just something a newsman invented someplace. And there are things that the public doesn't need to know. There are things the public wouldn't understand, and there are things that that if they were divulged would get people like me killed. So, no, I, I think the news media, as always, to the extent that it can, should be a a neutral arbiter, you know, a a reporter, a true reporter of what's going on without politicizing it. And I think I've seen it in my lifetime and yours, you know, we've seen a real shift from from a a neutral, all-encompassing news media to certain news networks focusing on, political aspects of the news. And, and there are lots of folks who rely on that for their sole source of information. And so it colors the way people think. That's a tremendous responsibility. So I think they need to do it as correctly as they can.
1: And uh, speaking of all these fighter jets, uh, the speeds, the the engineering, I know some of these planes go upwards of a thousand miles an hour. What's the greatest fighter jet of, of all time, do you think, uh, of all, all the jets that, that are a part of our military?
2: Today, you mean? Oh, I'd say the F-35, without a doubt.
1: And have you flown an F-35?
2: I have not flown an F-35. I was in the F-22 program right at the the end of my career. Most of my time was in an F-16, but I, I know enough about it. I've spoken at some graduations, and I know some of the pilots and and what they tell me and what it can do. I would tell the American people... Uh, don't worry about it because you're you're well protected. Um, you know the Chinese might build things that look like an F thirty five, but it's not. And everybody's seen what the Russian air force isn't capable of doing. So I'm not saying underestimate the enemy, but it's a danger to overestimate them as well.
1: And finally, we uh, before we let you go, uh, any opinion on um, the uh, the current presidency with uh, with Joe Biden and the the inflation and everything that's going on currently? The, the- it seems to me like things are falling apart at the seams.
2: I think there's a piece of lemon peel floating down a river somewhere that would be a better president than Joe Biden. Uh, I think if you are at the top of whatever organization, or especially the greatest nation in the world, uh, you need to have your act together, and he he plainly does not. Uh, I understand politics; I know how it works. But there's also uh, the essence of politics is to compromise. And and to make sure, at the end of the day, you are working for the American people. And I think there are too many folks in Washington that are working for their own ends, not for the rest of us. So I hope it changes.
1: I actually can see why you probably haven't gotten that movie deal, Dan. You somehow, sometimes have to pander to the liberals if you want to win over Hollywood, as you know. <laughs>
2: well, you know, I... I isn't right that, unfor- that. isn't I- that unfortunate? Isn't
1: that unfortunate?
2: Well, it's unfortunate, but you know, that's it's their world they can do it. I went I you know, I recently got a a master's degree from Dartmouth, which is a very, you know, Ivy League left-wing kind of school, and I I respect their judgment. I I mean, you know, I respect their opinions. That's fine. Uh but they need to realize that they're not the only folks in this country, and too often I think they they don't. So, um I'm confident there are folks in in Hollywood like Tom Hanks or Gary Sinise that would that, you know, if they saw the value in this, would make a movie out of it.
1: Well, hopefully, there will be a movie of the new book, uh, Valor, uh, penned by our guest here, Dan Two Dogs Hampton. It's the astonishing World War II saga story about Lieutenant Bill Harris. Thank you so much for being so candid with us today, uh, Dan Hampton. A big fan of your work. And uh, I'll continue to uh, listen to this audible book. Thank you so much for your time. Thanks, Gentry. My pleasure. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks. Oh, yeah, that's me.